High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. My guest this morning has been on before, and, and I think he's been on on this, on this subject, but uh, given its currency, we are going to look at it again. It's complex, and uh, it has huge ramifications uh, for the next election. We're looking at the Electoral Act, which has been amended, and it's come into force, and my guest, Marius Root, is probably the person who knows most about it in our organization. Marius, welcome. Oh, sorry. Thanks for having me. Good, good. Maurice, just to look at the sort of origins of this of this scenario we're about to discuss. Um, essentially, three years ago, the Constitutional Court put out a judgment which declared that the Act itself was unconstitutional for only allowing election to Parliament and legislatures through membership of political parties, not f- for individuals. How? What happened after that? What was the sequence of events that led to this, what we will discover, is a very strange situation? Yeah, so you're correct. Uh, in June 2020, uh, the Constitutional Court said that the Electoral um, Act has to be changed to allow individuals to stand for Parliament and for the nine provincial legislatures. Uh, that's because of the political or the electoral system we use to elect uh uh, members of parliament and members of provincial legislatures at um, at municipal level it's a little bit different individuals can stand so that wasn't affected so uh, parliament oh sorry the constitutional court gave parliament uh, a deadline of two years to amend the legislation but as usual the government decided to I mean, it sat on its hands nothing was really going on and then you know, uh, after about a year and a half then there was this kind of a flurry of panic and they realised they had to uh, you know bring this legislation to meet the Constitutional Court's deadline, which they actually missed in the end. They had to ask for an extension from the Constitutional Court. And we ended up with now an amended Electoral Act, which is really, it's uh, it's a very strange piece of legislation. There's lots of problems with it, and it's almost certainly that there's going to be, not almost certainly, certainly there's going to be uh, legal challenges to it, which is going to have all kinds of implications for people's trust in elections. Uh, We know that the election has to be held by next year, no later than August. That's a constitutionally a constitutionally mandata- mandated deadline. According to the Constitution, uh, uh, an election has to be held within five years and three months after the last election. So the 2019 national election was held on the 8th of May, I think, in 2019. So five years and three months of that is the 8th of August next year. So it has to be um, held by then. But we, we don't even know what the electoral system will be. We've got the legislation that says what it needs to be. But if there's going to be... Uh, challenges, legal challenges and so on, who knows what's going to happen. And we also know now that there's actually no ways that the election can be postponed Mm. because we know in 2021 the government did try to postpone the local government elections, but the constitutional Mm. court uh, said they couldn't do that. So there's no constitutional, you know, mechanism or legal uh, mechanism for uh, elections to be postponed in South Africa. So we're heading into quite a, yeah, it's going to be quite an interesting uh, time, interesting in the Chinese curse of the uh, <laughs> sense. sense of the term, yeah. So, uh, and also I think it's, uh, we, we're already seen there's been various uh, polls, uh, I think Afrobarometers one saying how people are losing trust in, uh, organizations like the IEC and, and elections in South Africa. I mean, in generally, uh, generally in South Africa, people have accepted that the elections that we've had are the, reflect the will of, uh, the people. We haven't really had challenges. We haven't really had electoral violence to any large degree, especially since the early 1990s. But if there's lots of questions about the electoral system, that could possibly change. Before we get into the what it actually provides, um, I, I just want to get your comment on, I understand that the committee that eventually wrote 
proposed legislation, there was a majority uh, idea, sorry, for want of a better word, and a minority idea as to what changes should be made. The majority idea had merit, the minority idea did not, and the minority idea was chosen. That seems extraordinary. Is yeah, it's, uh, who, who knows? I mean, it's, it's very strange. I mean, the, the majority uh, idea from the uh, committee was basically to ramp up the, lev- uh, the system that we have at municipal level to provincial and national uh, level. So that means you would uh, people you would have constituencies like we used to have uh, in South Africa before 1994, and how it is in say the UK, mm-hmm. for example. And then you'd go vote for an individual to represent you, and then at the same time you'd have uh, you'd have another vote to vote for a political party that you want to represent you. So that would mean that the uh, what the uh, legislature looks like is pretty much proportional to what the overall vote looked like. Mm. It's a system that's uh, it's got some issues, but overall it works pretty well. It's a system that's used in Germany, uh, New Zealand, Lesotho, and obviously yeah, at municipal level, it's fairly easy to understand, and it probably wouldn't have been too difficult. I mean, the biggest thing would have been drawing up constituencies for the country, but that's also not, you know, it's uh, time-consuming and uh, probably, you know, you just need people to actually go sit down and work it out. But it's not, you know, it's not uh, extremely technical. I don't think it would be the most difficult thing in the world. But for whatever reason, the minister chose the uh, minority report or the minority view on the committee, which is, I'm not sure we'll get into it, which is really, as I say, a very strange piece of legislation and could actually lead to some uh, distorted outcomes in our elections. I'm going to ask you now about the weirdness of what what we're dealing with. Just out of curiosity, which minister was it? I can't. It was Motsaledi at the time. Aaron Motsaledi. Home Affairs. Yes, <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> Okie doke. Right, gird your loins, folks, because Morris is now going to deal with what we have to deal with. Yeah. So, as I say, this is a very strange piece of legislation. It's also very unfair to people who want to be independents and or who want to stand as independents. It's also actually unfair to political parties that aren't represented in Parliament or the non-provincial uh, legisl- legislatures. Uh, in the legislation, one of the requirements is that uh, to stand for either Parliament or the non-provincial uh, legislatures, you need to provide a quota of – you need to provide a certain number of votes. I'm sorry, a number of signatures to say, yes, you have enough people who support you, but only parties that aren't, rep- that aren't currently represented or independents need to do that. And as it stands, the formula is saying that it needs to be about 15% of the quota that was needed for a seat in the previous election. So we'd say in the last election you needed about 30 or 40,000 votes to get one seat in uh, the National Assembly. That means you're going to – and so the quota is you need to get 15% of uh, that number of signatures to be able to stand. So that means you're going to have to get about – I mean, depending how it's worked out finally, between four – between four to six thousand people are going to have you're going to have to get signatures of these people, their full names, their ID numbers, and they're going to say yes, we agree this person should be able to stand as an independent or as a political party. But parties that are already represented in the various uh, legislatures don't have to do this. So this is already very unfair to um, people who aren't represented, whether it's independents or smaller political parties, and. Where the real problem comes in is, uh, oh, it's, it's really just absurd that independents are going to have to stand along politi- uh, political parties. Uh, they, political parties and, and individuals are being considered the same in, in the legislation, which really it, it doesn't make any sense. And as I say, it's absurd. But where what the real problem comes in is where obviously as if somebody's standing as an independent, doesn't matter how many votes they get, they can obviously only represent one seat in parliament. So I think uh, a good way to explain it would say, say we have a, a legislature of, say, 20 seats, and there's going to be a million people voting. 
So, and there's an, a popular independent. And so, if there's a million people voting, you have 20 seats, you need about 50,000 votes for seats. Say there's a very popular independent, they get 200,000 votes out of the million cast. But they can obviously only take up one seat. So, what happens to these other votes? According to the legislation, what will happen is that the, this independent person will obviously be awarded their seat, but then the, uh, how the other votes are distributed has to be calculated again, and you have to discard all the votes that were cast for the independent. So say, for example, we have now these million votes that were cast, say 400,000 were cast for the ANC. So actually the ANC should only get 40% of the votes in the legislature. But if we're discarding the 200,000 votes that were for the independent, I mean the independent still got their seat, but those extra 150,000 votes that were superfluous to the person in their seat aren't needed anymore. That means you recalculate the number of seats with the new number, which is 800,000 rather than a million. So while the ANC would have got, say, 400,000 out of a million, which means they should get 40, 40% of the seats, now they've got 400,000 out of 800,000, which means they're going to get 50% of the seats. And that's, I mean, mm. it's not just going to be for the ANC, it's going to benefit any of the larger parties, the DA or the EFF or whatever the case is. So it's obviously not just a benefit for the ANC. I mean, same kind of thing would happen, say, in the Western Cape, where the DA is the biggest party. So it's just it's going to lead to some distorted outcomes. So this is obviously assuming that independents do very well in the next election, mm. which you know, in general, independents have mm. – in South Africa, there's some municipalities where independents do pretty well, but we don't really – it's not really part of our political culture. Mm. But it is something that could happen, and I think that's something that should be foreseen. Mm. And we can't just – I mean, this is something that people are seeing is going to be happening, mm. and peop, and we just – and it, it seems that uh, we're, there, there's this track bearing down on us mm. and people are just ignoring the danger of it, of what's going to be happening. So I think that's probably the, the biggest problem with uh, this legislation. And, yeah, it's just, and the, it, it just boggles my mind that there, there's so many electoral systems that work around the world where you can still have a proportional representation system while voting for independents or individuals. As I say, the system we have at municipal level and, and as as I said earlier, it's what's used in Germany and uh, New Zealand and Lesotho. It works pretty well in those places. But for some reason, we decided not to do it, and it doesn't make any sense. And as I say, uh, we could get some distorted outcomes. And just a, a final comment, according to the Constitution, mm. uh, the only requirement for our um, electoral system is, I can't remember if it says generally or broadly, but it's got to be generally or broadly proportional. That's what the Constitution says. So... We also now have to decide what is actually generally or broadly proportional mean. Is there how much leeway do you get mm. in percentage point terms? If you, you know, if a party got 48% of the votes and gets 52% of the seats, or is it still broadly proportional? So, yeah, it's, uh, I think the lawyers are going to have their work cut out for them, uh, in, when, when this case goes to court, which it's inevitably, it, it, it is going to happen. Mm -hmm. I know, uh, quite a few organizations are planning on uh, going to court on this. Mm. So, yeah, so overall, it's just, it's a messy piece of legislation and it's, you know, the government's made a rod for its own back with mm. this that could have easily avoided the situation. I mean, it, it waited very long to uh, get it, get in, uh, to start amending the Electoral Act, and now we've left with a very strange piece of legislation. Mm. And, I mean, this, this isn't new. Since uh, already the early 2000s, there was uh, talk about uh, wanting to reform the electoral system. There was a Fonsales Labrath Commission, which, you know, came up with a new proposed uh, electoral system, which was ignored. Khalema Motlantse a couple of years ago also came up with a new proposal. So, you know, this, mm. a lot of this work's already been done. It's, we, we didn't have to go to the back of the drawing board with this very strange legislation, but yeah, we are. Mm. No, I mean, it, it strikes me that, that, you know, there is the, the constitutional court has said there's the imperative to make, uh, provision for independent to stand. 
Um, just, but just generally, it strikes me that it makes it makes sense at the local level, possibly even the provincial, possibly provincial level. Um, but nationally, it's it's you know I I, I think it's, it seems to be to cater to people with big egos who are personalities uh, who might get one seat and they'll be at least in parliament. But in reality, you know, it, it doesn't really it doesn't really serve very much. Um, this comes back to. There, there is uh, just to pick up the point you've just made. There is something um, very strange about the, the, the government so seems to always reinvent the wheel, and the wheel gets worse every single time in, in, in a whole lot of areas. There's, as you say, reports have been done, investigations have been made, research has been done, etc., 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 and then it's late and it's last minute and. The worst option is chosen. I mean, is is there is there any sense of, or can one imagine what it is that what her lady was looking for that 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 uh, chose this, um, or did he perhaps really not understand either the consequences of of this option? It it was like it, it was it was actually incomprehensible because it it's almost as if South Africa does everything to make its life uh, difficult. Say, I use the example of the Starlink situation. Um, you know, you'd rather have n- no universal coverage of of internet than uh, sign a than sign a contract with. Uh, with Elon Musk that, that doesn't require thirty percent of black economic empowerment uh, ownership. Is, I'm, I'm just I'm just sort of toying with this as to whether there's something in the psyche of of the government that that makes it do the things that are least beneficial for the for the people. Yeah, I don't know how to answer that. I think just sometimes the government doesn't think things through, or yeah, just tries to make things as difficult as possible for it. Uh, but, but just on the issue of independence, I think you're right that for a lot of people it's going to be um, you know a little bit about egos and just saying I stood as an independent candidate. But even though independence actually in parliaments around the world aren't particularly common, mm. sometimes they can play quite an important role in bringing f- issues uh, to the fore, which have been ignored by, say, larger parties. I can't remember the chap's name now, but there was a guy, I think, in the 2001 UK election where he was a doctor at a local hospital, which was getting cho- uh, getting closed. And all the people in the local community were completely opposed to the hospital getting closed. And the Tories and Labour all ignoring the various concerns. This guy ran as an independent. And he won. Mm. And I think, like, and it was just on the issue of the hospital closing. So I think uh, sometimes uh, independence can play an important role by, and we, and we know here in South Africa that often the larger parties don't really care about issues for, you know, you know, if you want to call it the little guy, whatever the case is. So I think they can often play, uh, so independence can play an, an important role. But as I say, around the world, independents are very rarely represented in uh, parliaments. I mean, I think in the UK there's been something like seven or eight independents since the end of World War Two, so it's not a very common mm. thing. But I think it it is important to let people. Um, while we have freedom of association in South Africa, mm. you also should have freedom to not associate. So if you don't want to be a member of a political party and you want to stand for Parliament, you should be allowed to. Mm. But that all said, I don't see. The, I, I don't think there's going to be a major, a, a big sur- surge in people voting mm. for independence next year. Uh, I'll, I'll be quite surprised if we mm. even see one independent in Parliament next year. But you know. That, that might happen, but yeah. I think it's important to let people vote for independence if they choose to. Yeah, I mean, I th- as I said I th- uh, previously, uh, it, the, it makes a lot of sense at the local level, particularly as, as issues that affect people most are at the local level. But once you're dealing with electricity, water, um, foreign affairs, whatever the case may be, um, 
these issues to be really properly dealt with um, require the machinery and the numerical, uh, some level of numerical representativity to actually make, to make any headway. And the money that goes behind it. I mean, if you look at the fact that a lot of national issues, not only national, but say national issues, the DA has gone to court on uh, against the uh, ANC government. Um, you have to have the resources to do it. And, and you, you, as an independent, you may wish to, but you, you may be just sadly taking up a bit of space in the circumstances. Well, uh, uh, that, that all said, we, we, we know in the new paradigm in South Africa, we're in a place like Johannesburg, uh, somebody who's from a party with three seats on the 270 uh, seat uh, Johannesburg City Council can become the mayor. Something similar happened in Chwane where there was, uh, I think Chwane's got 210 seats or 230 and Cope has got one seat there and there, there, their guy became the mayor. So may, maybe, uh, I mean, <laughs> so, so maybe well, we'll get a guy who's, uh, you know, only one independent becomes the president of South Africa next year. I have knows? to say that the person who comes to mind in that respect, uh, and I think he has ambitions, is someone like Musi Maimani. Um, you know, it's going to stand for president. And the problem, of course, is once you, when you have a strong political party situation, uh, scenario, positions like that, they're not like they're going to be mayorships with people, where the ANC and the EFF sort of plop in the guy from, um, Al Jamaa or Cope or the speaker from the other Cope, whatever it may ATM. be. <laughs> ATM. Sorry, I get my <laughs> small parties confused. That's a position that Big parties are going to, you know, are something yeah. to fight for. And well, well, I, know, I, I think something like Musi Maimani, probably Gator McKenzie, Songhezo Zibi, I think they all have, uh, you know, uh, ambitions to be president after uh, next year. But I mean, yeah, it's <laughs> for <laughs> some very interesting uh, political shenanigans over the next year and a half, I think. Now, what, uh, what are we looking at in terms of people going to court? What sort of, uh, are they going to argue that the actual, the, the amendment act is unconstitutional, um, contravenes the, the legislation that, that, that formulates elections? What are they likely, what issues are they likely to? I'm not too sure, but, uh, I would say you'd probably go from the issue of, uh, this could lead to outcomes that aren't proportional. And as I said earlier, that is a constitutionally required, um, issue in uh, for for our electoral system, I think could also be gone the issue of fairness, mm -hmm. where obviously uh, people uh, who want to stand as independents who are from smaller parties are going to have to re uh, fulfil this onerous um, uh, signature requirement. Uh, as far as I know, there's been uh, they haven't decided on what the deposit will be that people have to pay, but if they're saying that uh, people who aren't are from political parties that aren't represented or independents have to have uh, have to provide so many signatures compared to other parties, they might. They might say that, you know, people who aren't represented have to pay mm. a large amount to actually just be on the ballot compared to uh, the parties that are already mm. represented. So I think there's probably quite a few um, uh, angles that uh, people can come to from this uh, legally. And as I say, I know there's already a few organizations planning legal challenges. And while I, I, I support them on this, uh, I do think it's, as I say, the government's made an issue for itself because – this, is, this might have some implications for the election next year, and the IEC already has started putting systems in place for the election next year. How it's, you know, where, how votes are going to be counted, how votes are going to be captured, where they're going to be uh, voting stations, all kinds, kinds of things. And this puts all this uh, and makes it all quite uncertain, which also then has implications for how people view elections and the trust trust they have in it. As I said, South Africans in general have accepted that elections have re re reflected the view of South Africans, but. 
this might not be the case if there's some big questions to be asked about the elections. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Maurice, there were just a couple of issues I wanted to ask about. Um, the, the first is, or just to clarify uh, for, for, for listeners, is the fact that um, as you talk about the independent getting, say, 200,000 votes, and but a, a seat is 50,000, so if he got the 50,000, he's got the seat. But he's in no position... Because he's not part, he's not a, he doesn't have a party behind him, uh, to have other people fill any other seats that would come from the 150,000 left over. Is, is that, is that correct? That's why exactly. you go through this incredible calculation that spreads exactly. it to the other parties. Oh, and another issue that I didn't mention. So, um, if uh, an independent now wins a seat and they, during the term of parliament or the provincial legislature, whatever the case is, they pass away, they, there won't be, there's no, pos- there's no possibility to have by-election. So what will happen is then the calculation will be done again uh, to determine who fills that seat and all the, the independence votes will also then be discarded. So then it'll obviously, the new seat will probably go to a political party. Whereas if somebody is a representative of a political party, dies or resigns or whatever the case is, then the political party just puts the next person on the list. So mm. they still have their representation. Mm. So as I say, there's just so many clear issues with this legislation that is being ignored for whatever reason or they just haven't looked at it and it's just I mean you don't want to attribute to uh, malice what can be attributed to incompetence but it's how, just, how about a bit of both? Yeah it could be yeah and just it boggles the mind that, that we the government's decided to go with this legislation which just simply it doesn't make any sense. I, ju- I, I heard an interview with Professor with Dr. Professor, Doctor, Professor uh, Irina Filatova, um, who's a, who's a Russia expert, and her comment on the next election is she felt that the the ANC was going to retain uh, the government, um, and she suggested that they were going to get help from the Russians to do it. Um, is she being far fetched, um, given the relationship between Russia and South Africa? Uh, do you think the, the, it's 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 a real possibility? You're a science fiction reader, after all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think it's probably uh, quite possible. You know that the Russians have meddled in elections around the world, but I think even without the Russian help, I don't think it would be impossible for the ANC to get above fifty percent next year. Uh, for the ANC to be under 50%, it's got to drop by about 8 percentage points, which will be the biggest ever drop for the ANC in a, uh, any elections ever stood for in South Africa. Even if it dropped by 8 percentage points, it would still be on about 49%. Mm. So it would be very close to power and would only need one of the, you know, really small parties to help it uh, stay in power. So, uh, I think, uh, yeah, uh, uh, I don't think it's impossible that the ANC is going to retain its majority next year. It's going to be lose it. I mean, it's going to lose a lot of support, obviously. And I think it's going to be far under 50% in Gauteng and probably KwaZulu-Natal as well. It's obviously going to be nowhere in the Western Cape. And we could see it also get a bloody nose in places like the Northern Cape and the Free States. Even the Northern Cape could maybe be lost to the ANC, or maybe not lost it, but the ANC could be under 50%. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's definitely an interesting election next year, but ANC support, especially outside of the cities, is very sticky. Mm. If you look at uh, by-elections uh, in rural areas, um, not, not, not so much in the Places like Northwest or the Free State, whatever it is, mm. but in Eastern Cape, Mpumalanga, Limpopo, the ANC is still getting 70, 80% of the votes in by-elections. And, you know, I mean, obviously I'm not there, but I, I'd be surprised if there's any kind of intimidation. I think people are just going to carry on voting for mm. the ANC because it's for, 
you know, complex reasons. People mm-hmm. vote for, you know, we can all see what's happening in the country. And I mean, a lot of it is, is the fault of the ANC, but for people vote for political parties, as I say, for mm-hmm. complex reasons, for historical reasons, for they also may just don't feel that there's any other party to vote for. Uh, you know, silly thing. It's the party of Mandela and that's why people want to vote for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we've also got to give credit to it's due and the NC ran the, ran the place pretty well until about the mid 2000s until they got rid of Tabo Mbeki. There were obviously lots of issues at the time. The arms deal, lots of the corruption we see now, the seed for it was laid in those times, but the economy was growing at five, six percent a year, even sometimes. Uh, unemployment was on the way down. Poverty was on the way down. Uh, you know, there wasn't, uh, Talk about things like expropriation without compensation was really on the lunatic fringe of the ANC. It wasn't really quite a, a mainstream thing in, uh, within the party. So uh, from that point of view, the ANC, I mean, you can see that its legacy in some ways is still fairly good, but it's obviously in the last 15 years, it's really destroyed whatever legacy it ha- has had. And, you know, President Ramaphosa hasn't done much to uh, uh, fix the fix what was broken off the Zoom years. And I think he's also done some breaking himself, to be honest. Mm. Um, just, uh, I just make a comment based on a, a lecture I saw uh, fe- uh, featuring Heather MacDonald in, in the States. And they were wondering about why, of all the new mayors, the, all the candidates were, were, de- were from the Democratic Party, but of all the new, new mayors, they elected a mayor who was, at, who was the softest on crime. And in the last few years, the crime rate in Chicago has become nightmarish. And, People ask him, well, you know, surely it's, it's not in their interests. And she said she, she, she couldn't uh, speculate too hard. She said she thinks that the most likely possibility, and this would tie in, I think, with the ANC thing, is that there's still currency in supporting the candidate who, who, um, supports their victimhood, who, who blames racism for, for things. And that until that changes, nothing will change. Yeah, and also I think at the same time, people uh, voting for political parties, as I say, it's a sticky thing. I mean, if you, if you go to the north of England, for example, people have voted Labour there for a hundred years, and doesn't matter, you know, if it was Tony Blair's Labour, which was pretty, you know, pretty centrist, or Jeremy Corbyn's Labour, which was pretty left wing, or going back to when it was uh, Michael Foot in the nineties, eighties, also pretty left wing. So people, I think, political, also political parties, or the political party support is in many ways a religion. Mm. And I think to actually leave it, you, it's quite a difficult thing. And also when you leave it, you're seen as a bit of an apostate by some people. Mm. And that's, you know, I oh, know you, you didn't vote for the ANC this year. Or even, I mean, you could probably say the same thing if you speak to some DA supporters, perhaps. Mm. Oh, you think of not voting for the DA this year and people, you know, take out a crucifix and, you know, like trust on you or whatever the case is. And I think that's <laughs> any political party around the world, I think, has that kind of thing to a large degree where people, are going to vote for it doesn't matter what it decides. I mean, you know, as I say, in America, a lot of places say vote for Democrats. Also in the South, though, a lot of places just, I mean, the only candidates are Republicans. And you could, in a Democrat city or a Republican town or whatever the case, you could have put, put a potato as the candidate. And people will still vote for the potato if it's mm, got a Republican <laughs> or a Democrat. So I think, yeah, yeah. the voting patterns, it's the way people vote is very complex. Mm. And it's not just about, you know, what's in your actual interest. People, mm. There's lots of other reasons, and it's all about history and culture and all kinds of things. And also, I mean, how your family's always voted. You know, if you've uh, – say you, you come from a Tory family, you know, like, oh, I can never vote for Labour because we be Tories, you mm-hmm. know, or, or whatever the case is. And I think that's what happens in, you know, any democracy around the world. I think that's what, what uh, happens. And I think South Africa isn't any different. 
Yes, well, it just makes a, an already interesting election all the more interesting and perhaps uh, with an element of the absurd. Um, Marius, thank you very much for joining us and explaining a very a bit of a matzah pudding of an, of, of an electoral act. Thanks for having me, Sarah.